You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Uh, Hello, and thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. Recording live from the men's restroom somewhere in the bowels of Gillette Stadium. I'm your old pal, the deflator. (laughs) I'm your good buddy, Liv. And if you're keeping score at home, God bless you. Because this is either episode 66 or 67, depending on how my editing skills are. Yes. So, um, apologies to anybody that listens to this on the regular. Um, And I know we still have a a bunch. Yeah, Um, I'm sure Fredo's listening. I lo- we lost a ton of people when we fucked up the uh, the whole server website um, back in yeah, November, yeah. December. Fucking go, Daddy! But I don't think they were necessarily friends of the podcast. They must have been like auto downloads or something, because yeah. we got back up to a healthy number. It was about half of what we were getting, but what we were getting was crazy. It was like there's no way we have that many friends or that many people even know we exist. So yeah, I think we're that hear about it and download it and they automatically hit the subscribe thing. Yeah. So I think we're back down to, to legitimate, um, uh, a, a legitimate stable of friends. Um, so every once in a while I'll get, uh, um, a heads up from somebody to say, Hey, you know, where's the episode? And we try, we really do. We try, you know, to do it weekly. Um, but last week was just a clusterfuck of technical difficulties. And on top of what we kind of had to deal with during the recording, which you knew about, I went to go put it up the other day and I realized that I just totally blew all of the audio, um, on my side, and it's taken forever, um, but it's kind of a turnabout fair play, because I don't know if you ever noticed, but we're missing an episode during that hiatus period. It's episode 48. It's the Lost Tapes. It is your um, your lengthy discussion about the history and reemergence of Aaron Goldberg. Oh, what happened to it? Well, your side is fully recorded. For some... Oh, I know exactly what the reason was. It was because I was just like on the Bill's palsy tip and I was... Oh, around uh, Thanksgiving or whatever. Yeah, and I was a little discombobulated and I walked out of the room and shut the light switch before saving my side of the discussion. Yeah. So the way we record, that was like one of the first times we started recording in, in uh, two tracks. And um, now I take the two tracks and I match them up and I put them together and I, and, I, um, and I convert them to a single file, which generally speaking is a, is a much sounder way to do it technically, but it leaves open the possibility for human error. I didn't hit record on your button, I didn't hit record on my button, or in this case, I didn't save one of the tracks. And that's what happened. So, episode 48 never got up. I have your side in its entirety. Um, and I have notes on what my 
side of the conversation was. And I can go back, technically speaking, I can go back and I can dub in my side. Yeah. But one, it's been almost six months. Like, what are you going to do? Recreate a conversation? Exactly. Exactly. You'd be like, boy, they make these movies, you know, like voiceover stuff and, or like movies with animation. (laughs) So maybe someday, if I ever get the time, but that brings us to the conversation about last week's episode, which was, um, I've been trying to edit it little by little, uh, because I've come up with, uh, a personal and professional game plan to try to keep my sanity and some semblance of life is that I look to accomplish four things in a day. Okay. That can be a project. That can be a series of tasks. That can be a jog. Any combination of those things. And if I can accomplish four things in a day... It's a successful day, and whatever else is on my to-do list just gets moved to the next day. So instead of, you know, kind of burning the candle at both ends or pushing myself to get stressed to try to do a bunch of shit, I start out knowing that I'm going to get four things done. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's a seven secrets of super successful people kind of deal. Do four things really well instead of seven things really shitty. You're a big, uh, you're a big proponent of of uh, avoiding the multitask. Yeah, because multitasking usually leads to a bunch of shitty stuff. Right. So I never, I never yeah. bought into that. I always thought I, I could rise above. I mean, think about multitasking: driving and texting. You think you're doing either well? Right. I right. mean, that's the ultimate. Uh, uh, multitask right there. <laughs> so, like, some of the things in a day, I wasn't multitasking. I was doing, you know, a legitimate, um, you know, I was paying legitimate attention to what I was doing, but I was trying to put, you know, eight or nine of those things into a day. And, like, it just leaves no time to eat lunch. It leaves no time yeah. to go for a jog. It leaves no time to walk the dogs. Like, so you just get stressed yep. kind of going over and over again. So I don't know where I came up with the number four. I think I did a, like, a little bit of um, uh, you know, a realistic assessment of when I'm doing things well, what am I doing? And I kind of you know, came to a ballpark of, you know, I'm usually accomplishing four things in a day. I could get up, do something early, do something mid-morning, do something mid-afternoon, and do something early evening. And that's usually when I'm at my most efficient. So um, unfortunately... Um, fuck up a podcast was one of the four things I accomplished mm-hmm. last week. Fix a fo- fix a podcast appears to be the fifth thing every day that I have to do. Yeah, and so I just put it down and and call it quits. But uh, I think what I'm going to do is, um, and the reason I'm talking all this out is because I'm going to take this little snippet and I'm going to um, insert it at where episode 66 should be. And I'm going to uh, edit and release the uh, today's episode, which is episode 67. So um, I'll eventually get to release 66, and I'll put it in order. So if you hadn't heard it, you'll be able to hear it. But if you don't care, well, then at least you get some new content. So... 
hopefully that keeps um, that keeps people interested in in what we're talking about, or more importantly, keeps us on track. That this is um, still a pretty fun and legitimate uh, enterprise in terms of uh, killing time and wasting space one hour yeah. a week. So, so that's that, man. I uh, my apologies to you and anybody else that cares. So uh, that's how we'll tackle it. On the bright side, we're not the New England Patriots. What a bunch of fuck sticks. Yeah, I'm so sick of New England people, Boston people, and all their shit. You know, it's it's too bad because I, I, I was thinking about this today. And probably, you know, four or five of the people I love most in the world live, reside... And are Bostonians through and through. And I love them in spite of the fact that they do sometimes possess the thing I think you're going to talk about. Not as bad as the typical, you know, Can I say Joe this? Boston. I don't need to say much more because... You know, I know I've heard some Bostonian feelings on here before, <laughs> but Bill Simmons sucks, and that's all I got to say about Boston. I'm not going to elaborate on the Patriots, even though they're all bitching and moaning about the bullshit punishment they got for fucking around, which isn't anything near the punishment that the Saints got for for uh, bullshit that was way less severe than anything the Patriots were technically accused of. They were yeah, and that's of trying to affect the outcome of a game. And that's the only reason I ever bring it up is because I know it. Well, this sounds kind of sounds a dick. Sounds a little dickish when I say it out loud, but you know, it pisses me off. Well, not that it pisses you off, but I know that it has a parallel to an issue that you actually can speak intelligently of. I mean, you know what? They suspended Sean Payton for a year. And the theory was ignorance is no excuse because he didn't know the thing with the Saints, with the, the bounty program, which was bullshit anyway, because no one even got Saints weren't even that penalized of a team. There was no evidence that any shit really even happened like they were as if they were actually carrying out the bounty program, you know. Right. Uh, right. But they suspended him for a year because they said ignorance is no excuse. Well, Belichick says he doesn't know about any of this, and he doesn't get shit. He totally throws Brady under the bus, and he doesn't get <laughs> shit. And you know what? That's good enough for me, because those self-righteous assholes in New England that think Bill Belichick and Tom Brady sit straddling either side of, of God himself, you know, as the, as the son and the Holy Ghost, apparently— you know, there you go. Your hero coach threw your golden boy frigging quarterback under the bus. Here's the thing that kind of bothers me about it is that there seems to be uh, the prevailing feeling of, so what? Super Bowls, baby. Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, of course. That's what it is. Like, they cheated when they won those other Super Bowls. And they only got caught after they had won those Super Bowls. And since they got caught for that cheating, they didn't win another Super Bowl till this time. But, like, you know they were cheating. Like, if they got caught stealing those signals from the Jets, you think that was the first time they were doing that bullshit? 
No, yeah, right, not at all. <laughs> you know, and there was, I mean, there were accusations afterwards that came out from guys on the Rams saying that they thought they were stealing their shit in that Super Bowl. It kind of goes back to what's worse, ignorance or apathy. Like, if this happened in another major city, you know, um, whether it's it's Bounty Gate or whether it's, you know, something in New York, and the the reaction of the fan, the reaction of, of you know, the local media is, I, I don't believe it. I You know, say what you want to say, that's fine. You know, we, we don't believe this. It just it, it can't be true. There's enough facts behind it, yeah. and and I know what Brady's come out and said, or his agents come out and said, and I I, I kind of heard what Kraft has come out to say, but I get the feeling that the Patriot fans are, we we don't care. Yeah, well, fine. I mean, they're fine. Fans. Go ahead. I expect their reaction to be that way. Of course, they're fans. Right. I I don't I don't begrudge them that. You know, screw it. Let them think that. Everybody here when the bounty thing went down everybody you know was like that's bullshit even though all these other assholes like oh that's not fair yes as if 30 the other 31 teams don't do the same shit come on i mean you remember when they had the eagles bounty bounty bowl like 20 something years ago sure you know it used to be like a common like it the only difference is i guess now you're not supposed to talk about it but it used to be a straight up thing they would talk about right the friggin bounties and stuff so, uh, but the thing, what I don't understand is, it's such a slap on the wrist. I don't understand why they're getting their panties all up in a bunch. For the first four games of the season, big fucking deal. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's what he's getting suspended for. Who cares? Even if they go 0-4, they have 12 more games to get it back. You know, and they play in a friggin' shitty division where... You know, the other three teams have not proven once in the past friggin', you know, maybe once, because I think they didn't go to the playoffs that one time, when they, even when they went 11-5. and five. But usually, you know, they win the division every fucking year, so it's not a big deal. Plus, like, you know, they know now. They're going to be able to, you know, that Garoppolo guy's going to be able to practice with ones and stuff. It's not like this is a week before the season begins and they're finding out they're going to be without their quarterback. Right. You know, so I don't even think it's that big of a deal. They, I think what it feeds into is the victimization, the, the victim complex of, uh, of your typical New Englander. You know, that life is unfair, that they're mistreated, you know? <laughs> Just like the whole Red Sox thing played into it, you know? Right. Right. It was way worse for them that they hadn't won a World Series forever than it was for White Sox and Cubs fans and whomever. Right. You know? It was way worse for Boston because we love it so much more. You know? <laughs> it's God fucking with us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I found uh, the title of this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... And today I saw some stat about cities, I guess it must have been, that have at least three major, three of the four major sports, you know, appearances in conference championship games in the past 10 years or whatever. And Boston is the head of them, you know, 20, 20 appearances in conference championships in the past freaking 10 years. But they'll still act like, you know, oh, it's so unfair. Oh, things are terrible. <laughs> 
Uh, they and they got the and they got the the friggin' Super Bowl ring last year anyway. So who cares? They cheated last year and they still got rewarded. So it's all right. <laughs> There's a, a horrible commercial here. I don't know what it's for. It might be a national commercial, but I doubt it. It's uh, it's a Yankees fan and a and a Red Sox fan. You know, kind of going back and forth on, you know the. The triumphs and perils of being a Yankee fan and, and a Boston Red Sox fan. Um, it's you know it's kind of typical, yeah. you know, of what you expect. But um, there's a reason why it's typical of what you expect because it's it's really what happens. Yeah, you know, there's there's a stereotype for a reason. Yep. Yeah, there's truth to stereotypes. Yeah. So I mean, like New York. I think L.A. was second, but. They don't have a football team, obviously, but they have two basketball teams, you know, two baseball teams, a hockey team, you know, so they got five teams. Right. But uh, the Clippers, they didn't make it to a champion. They, they might be making it this year. But uh, I think New York has 16, which is kind of crappy, actually, if you think about it, because they have, you know, you probably include the Devils in there if you're going to talk about the hockey team. So that's three hockey teams. Yeah, two football teams, two baseball two football teams, teams, two basketball teams, teams. Two basketball teams, you know. It's pathetic, yeah. It yeah. is absolutely pathetic, man. So most of that heavy lifting was done by friggin' the Yankees and the Giants, I guess, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. I guess the Jets did go play for the conference championship twice, didn't they? Um, they played yeah, the, early on in Rex Saints Ryan. beat the Colts. I know they played the Colts in the championship game that year, but I think they might have played – Another year too with Rob Ryan with Rex. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, um, the Sanchez played in uh, two um, two AFC Championship yeah. games. Yeah, they played early in his career. January 2010, and then they played in another one. Yeah. Uh, there was something else in the, oh, so be, just quickly back to the Deflate Gate. Um, <laughs> oh, the idea that they're saying, oh, we were talking about me losing weight. They call me the deflator because I'm... The deflator. The text messages between those two morons are some of the funniest things that I've read in a long time. Yeah, that shit's embarrassing, <laughs> huh? And, you know, I'm not a huge um, Deadspin guy. I don't check it regularly. But I went... As soon as I heard that story break, I went to Deadspin... Um, because I knew that they would have great coverage on yeah. it. Yeah, that's what and it off. Th- they're almost cartoonish. Yeah. You know, kind of in their dealings with each other and, and um, you know, the the, the quote-unquote clandestine operation that they're running. They're just a couple of idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, like, first of all. I mean, they're, they're not even, yeah, but it. It's a friggin' equipment manager and a locker room attendant, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly not like what it is. Some guys that were gonna be, you know, they probably never thought that shit would come out, you know. Even the dudes from the movie The Town knew not to text information to each other. <laughs> yeah, but they were bank robbers. You know? Yeah, but they're from Charlestown. Anything was coming out. They're just regular old dudes. Which I love is how they refer to him as the ball boy. Isn't that guy like in his 50s? <laughs> ball, like Seinfeld, ball man. Right, right. The great ball man experiment is over. Well, good luck, New England. Yeah. Godspeed. Enjoy your deflated balls and all that goes along with it. Uh, we have bigger fish to fry uh, here tonight on the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. 
Um, I don't know. A couple couple cool things going on. I um, I had a a choice encounter with a uh, with a um, a current orange man. I guess a current orange. Yes, I guess he is a current orange. He's a current orange kid. Uh, he's a. He just, I guess he just finished his junior year. And he's the brother of one of the guys who has been doing some work with me on the ALS uh, and um, and American Lung Association walks that I've been working on. So he's kind of been like my right-hand man. Uh, graduated from Rutgers last year, kind of figuring out what he wants. Typical stuff. You know the story. Yeah. yeah. Instead of working in a mailroom, he's working in a U-Haul truck uh, following me around uh doing a bunch of bullshit tasks uh, throughout the tri-state area. We are coming into the walk season where over the next few weeks, we've got like events, actual events every weekend. So that means uh, a given event week is Thursday. We go and rent U-Haul trucks. We pack them full of all the stuff that we need, starting lines, uh, (coughs) tents, like tables, all kinds of stuff. And then Friday we do t-shirt pickups and, everything you think you would need to do for um, a fundraiser walk. Then Saturday there's a walk, then Sunday we get off, and then Monday we have to break down the whole walk site. So it's a, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a bang, 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 bang. So you need uh, a lot of manpower to get one of these works, uh, one of these walks off, but like the people who volunteer or get paid at them are part-timers. They come in, they do the walk for a couple hours in the day, and then they go home. Yeah. But the guys who organize it, the company that runs them, um, that's a full-time job. So we need people to kind of help out at least on a a 30-hour-a-week basis kind of deal. So this kid um, that I've been working with was like, I got a brother. He's looking for some work. You know, if we get real busy, you know, we need an extra set of hands. I was like, all right. You know, college kids are usually pretty decent um, until I found out he went to Syracuse. And then I was like, hired. Yeah. Sight unseen. And sure enough, the kid showed up today, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, hey, nice to meet you. Nice to be on board he's with a fellow a Orange. Yeah, he's a, he's a rising senior. Rising senior, nice. Uh, on, on point to graduate um, in four years after transferring from West Virginia. And I was oh, like, man, he's just got to do his grad school at Florida State, and he will have hit the the party school triumphant. So he's from Jersey, I assume? Yeah, he's, uh, he's actually from Jefferson, New Jersey, which is the town adjoining uh, Sparta, hometown of Chris Laughlin. So I know of Jefferson very well, and I know of, uh, of all of the competing um, taunts and, and cheers that the Sparta High kids would say to Jefferson, because Jefferson's kind of rural. Yeah, I, I don't want to get, I, I don't want to paint a picture that it's lower class, but Sparta is a pretty upper middle classy kind of town. No, think, so Jefferson's just kind of a normal town, and Sparta's the uppity snobs. Yeah, Jefferson might be a little more agricultural. Maybe <laughs> there's some farm stuff like that. That's how you. So, 
<laughs> you can't be busted on Jefferson. You got to bust on the rich people. <laughs> well, my my. I don't think Laughlin's going to get offended. <laughs> well, that's funny because I um, obviously I have been doing some work up there, um, as part of the, um, as part of these projects, and um, I shot him some videotape while I was driving down the highway. Um, you know, kind of like the opening scene of Taxi kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so there's a huge uh, exit sign that says Sparta. And anytime I'm in that area, I'll try to record, you know, so I don't put myself or anybody else in danger. But at the same time, get some video of me driving up on this exit sign. Yeah. And I sent it to him. And, you know, Laughlin's very presidential. You know, he's all business. Um, and he writes back to the group. I send it to everybody. And, uh, you know, they get a kick out of it because they love to bust his balls um, f- because he came from Sparta. I don't know why. They just, he'd get, it would tweak them. So Who they would to turn bust the. His balls? Soap, Reardon, Peters. Because he's from Sparta? Well, because it's a, it's an upper crust type of town he uh, lived in this what well, i was wondering was like how they even know about it you know oh because they they've been to visit him okay so once they've they went there him. they were like what the fuck oh sure it's like a uh it's okay. like it's like a swiss hamlet yeah, yeah, yeah. you had to go through a gate to get into um his uh but it's not even a housing development you know i i know that there's complexes that you need to get go through a gate but this was a huge part of town that was private residence and it was around a big lake it was called lake mohawk google it sometime i think i think it's pretty well known um it's like that area where you always get the flat tires what's that it's like that part of new orleans where you always get the flat tire oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know there's private security yeah, and like security patrols and stuff yeah you can't really get away with much so rightfully so they bust his balls that he came from this you know kind of uppity crustedy kind of town and he's laughlin you know he's the furthest thing from uppity yeah um so they um you know they all kind of wrote back and and kind of busted his balls on you know on sparta and and uh you know how uh, upper echelon it was, and and he actually wrote back, um, man, it's been a long time since I've been to Sparta. I don't even know if I can consider it my hometown anymore. Which to me, I don't know. Isn't your hometown always your hometown? I mean, I think so. You know, like hometown boy makes good. You know. Right. So they mean, call you if you move somewhere else and you come back, uh, you know, visit. Right. Right. Like, you've been around the block. Yeah. You lived up in Boston. You went to school in Syracuse. But, like, I don't know. You're New Orleans. Yeah. It's always, I mean, it's your hometown. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I felt like that. goes with something else that bothers me that you mentioned that. And I heard him. I heard him say this about Ed Reed the other day on the radio because Ed Reed officially announced his retirement. Um, and I remember, was it like a year or two ago here, Mike Tirico say the same thing on a similar type of thing on Monday Night Football, referring to somebody as a native when they're not a native. 
a.k.a. not knowing the meaning of the word native. Right. <laughs> I remember Mike Tarico said about somebody, he's been a native since whenever. I was like, no, you're either native or you're not. Right. You know, and the other day, see, Ed Reed is actually from, he's from Jefferson Parish. He's from, like, Metairie, where I grew up, you know? Oh, where did he go to school? But he went, well, he went to Miami. But he well, wasn't no, no, no. a high school. recruited guy. You know, he was he he wasn't highly recruited. He just uh the guy that's actually the coach at Tulane now was the guy that recruited him to Miami. Like nobody wanted Ed Reed. He was gonna go to Tulane. Like what that's high school did he go? Lightly recruited he was in high school. But he went to this high school called Destrahan, which is out you know, it's a it's yeah, it's a public school out in you know, it's the extended metropolitan area of New Orleans, St. Charles Parish, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a big football program. but So it's a big deal because Ed Reed, you know, he's from there. He's the most successful graduate from there. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, and they said, a St. Rose native. I was like, on the radio, because, you know, he'd signed with the Ravens to retire last week. Right. I was like, this guy's wrong. He's not a St. Rose native. You know, and after they won the Super Bowl here a couple of years ago, they were all on the radio calling him a native. It's like, give give Metairie the props it deserves. He's a Metairie native. He was <laughs> taken in by a family out there. You know, like he lived with some other family out that, that lived out there, and that's how he ended up out there. But he's definitely not a St. Rose. That's one of the towns in that parish. So it always kind of pisses me off when people say that. It's like, you don't know what native means. Native just doesn't mean you grew up somewhere. Native means you were born somewhere. My brother AJ, he's a fucking Virginia native. He's not a New Orleans native. He was born at the friggin' hospital in Norfolk when my parents were in the, when my dad was in the Navy. Okay. You know? All right. He's not a New Orleans native. Right. Unlike me, so fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you'll hear people say this stuff like that all the time, and that bothers me because it's like you don't know what native means. You know? Right. By definition. Yes. You either are or you aren't. Yes. It's one, it, either you're a native or you're not. It's, it's, it's far less debatable than the hometown question. Fair enough. Which I can see wiggle room because you might say it's somebody's hometown because that's where, you live, that's where you make your home now. Maybe that's where you raise your family. I get that. You're right. That's I think that's the dis, that's the distinction or or that's the nuance that they're missing when they're trying to navigate that phraseology. Yeah, I mean, so where does Laughlin live now? He lives in Virginia. Yes. Yeah, like does he live in Arlington or somewhere in northern Virginia? Right. Yeah, somewhere in northern northern Virginia. Yeah, yeah Sh- it's Shirlington. It's perfectly fair for him to call that his hometown now. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, been there. Escape with the Sparta people, anyway. <laughs> but the native uh, thing, you know. Yeah. Of course, it makes me think about the song "The City of New Orleans." That's I'm one of my favorite songs. You do, son. You know that line. Yeah, yeah. Who is that? Uh, is that Look, Woody Guthrie? Arlo, Woody's son. Oh, Arlo. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, it's makes a me cr- song. Makes me cry. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those songs that makes you wistful. It paints a great it paints a great picture, a great visual image for the mind. Ah, there's another New Orleans song. 
that I always remember from being down there. Remember, do you remember my roommate, the the flight attendant chick? You wouldn't know her, obviously, because this wouldn't have happened at a time when we were commingling at a rate that you would know them personally. But you know the stories of my flight attendant no. roommates? Wait, if, not when you lived in Winthrop, huh? No, when I lived, so... Because Winthrop, you know, they... I mean, because you lived at that place, right? Right, so the, one of the reasons... Above a bunch of flight attendants uh, or whatever. Well, one of the reasons... Uh, so I, I went up to the my third year of law school as a visiting uh, student because I was kind of looking forward. And I was dating Jody at the time, and... Um, she was living in New York, but like I knew she was eventually going to go back to Boston. Yeah. So I got a jump on it and I was like, you know what? Let me go up to Boston. Let me see if I can, I can put down some roots, um, see if that's a place I can live. And then I can figure out, you know, what's going to happen after I graduate law school. So I went up there and, um, I was looking for a place to live, and and Sean Reardon uh, was moving to Winthrop because the Boston airport is uh, is right there, and had access to a bunch of flight attendants. <laughs> Jody and I went south quickly after my move to Boston for a number of reasons, and it was a downer. But the upside was I was living with Sean Reardon, Mike Peters, and Smitty. In a hotbed, an alleged hotbed of flight attendants. An alleged hotbed. I didn't see a single flight attendant in my year in Boston. I moved out to go home and study for the bar. And like eight flight attendants moved into the apartment. Yeah. Downstairs. So like I missed them literally by days. I mean, I'm thinking about when I moved there. Cuddy was dating a flight attendant. Soap and McCarthy both married flight attendants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a revolving door. They were all cool chicks. They were all fun. Yep. Um, and, like, it was the basis for some, like you said, someone got married. It's the yep. basis for their adult lives. Uh, so I was always a little, uh, uh, bitter is not the right word, but. Um, you missed out, man. I missed out. So when I went back to Jersey and I got a job working for the Newark Bears, the first apartment I had was a crash pad with a bunch of flight attendants in Weehawken. And one of the chicks was from um, one of the chicks was from New Orleans. Oh, okay. Now, I'm gonna I'm, I'm never gonna remember where she's from. It was like probably a good half hour outside of outside of the city proper. Yes. And I'm gonna say Bourbon Street because that's where we ended up going to the French. She brought me to the French Quarter. I um, I took a trip home with her one time because I saved her ass. She was a, a new recruit, and she had to be on call. And she was on call at the airport for an international flight, but she'd forgotten her passport, and it was like the second time she had done that. 
and if she had to cancel on the flight as a, you know, as a, I forget what they call them, reserves. Yeah. If she had to cancel on the flight as a reserve for the second time, she would have gotten fired. Damn. So, um, I brought her her passport, like, in the nick of time. And she made me her buddy. So that was, like, back in the day when, um, um, it was like same-sex couples were starting to yeah. garner legal rights. So they didn't call it like, uh, you know, a spousal pass. They called it a buddy pass. Yeah, that was um, like when um, freaking ben, ben Fleet was dating that girl that he was living with when I lived in Boston, and he he got laid off from his job, but she was working at Starbucks, and he got insurance through her. Right. Because it was like the same sort of thing, because it was made to kind of take care of the same-sex couples. Yep. You know, but it covered everybody because it needed to, you know, but you didn't have to be married. Yeah. Right. So I could fly. This wasn't like the one of those deals where, like, I could sign up for, like, one free ticket. I had a pass that let me go anywhere. Damn, that's awesome. Unlimited. So I had to pay taxes and I had to fly standby or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So we went a couple places together, uh, including her home. And she was a cool chick. She looked like um, she she was pretty. She was cute. She was attractive, but she had stopped smoking, and um, so she had gotten a little bigger, put on a bunch of weight, and she looked a little like that wrestler China. <laughs> You yes. know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know who China is. So she was taller. She had real sharp features. But she was a real cool chick. Um, and we had a good time together. We hung out, you know, uh, a bunch of times when she was, um, you know, not traveling. But I went back with her. And um, there's another New Orleans song that she always talked about. Uh, and I remember her talking. Like, we went to a bar where there was some dude playing. Um and she's like, I know that guy. I don't even know if that's a good southern accent, but that's my New Orleans accent. I know I, that guy. <laughs> I know that guy. And she was a real, she was, I don't want to say she was a slut, but she was in control of her sexual identity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. She made no bones about it. She's like, I know that guy. Says, I used to, I used to date him a little bit. Well, more likely, more like it. I used to sleep with him. Because he would play, and now I remember the song. It's um, House of the Rising Sun. I had a feeling that was the... When you were saying earlier, I was going to say House of the Rising Sun. But yeah. I decided to let you work through it. <laughs> <laughs> she said... Uh, and I remember this, too, because I was like, whoa. Like, my face dropped, and, you know, like, the straw fell out of my mouth. She was like, yeah, he'd play that song. Anytime he played it, my panties just melted on the floor next to me. <laughs> I was like, in my life, I would love to make somebody's panties melt. Yeah. Not, and let alone on a regular basis. So, um, I don't know how we got there, but it took, a, took us a long time. But um, that's a that's probably the, the city of New Orleans is what I think of first and foremost. Yeah, which isn't even really about. about the city of New Orleans. It's about a train. Oh, is it really? <laughs> Yeah, that's what the city of New Orleans is. It's it still runs. It's the train between here and Chicago. No shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen I to the words. They're talking about Kankakee, Illinois. You know, 
Um, and the, tra- the, the song to see New Orleans is about the train coming down to New Orleans. Yeah, he's, he's like, I'm your native son. Yeah, yeah, he's talking about the train. Oh, I thought he was talking about the city. No, no, it's a train, man, the city. Of New- and I do plan on doing that one day, taking the city of New Orleans, but I haven't done it yet. Oh, hold on a second. Let me, because I got a note here to talk about a little trip I've like got you planned. you a note in the studio? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leon just handed me this note. <laughs> Next on All Things Considered. Yes. <laughs> um, City of New Orleans train, right? Yes. Okay, City of New Orleans train. Let's see. What? Well, it's Amtrak, so... Uh, they're not doing so good recently. No. Oh, this is perfect, dude. This is perfect. What's that? What, what's your plan? You have any vacation time uh, coming this summer? My vacation time is my time. But I can take a vacation. Some t- take a vacation. What's that? I need to take a friggin' vacation. Why don't you meet me in Memphis? On the city of New Orleans? You can take the city of New Orleans. I'll probably drive. <laughs> You're going to drive from Jersey to Memphis? It's only like 14 hours, I think. You drive Jersey to Memphis, you might as well drive to New Orleans. It's like five and a half hours away. Yeah, yeah, but I've been to New Orleans. I haven't been to Memphis. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to meet you halfway. <laughs> I'm trying to get to Memphis. <laughs> uh, and then we'll take the same New Orleans up to Chicago and back. Uh, yeah, sure, man. Sure, whatever. I just, sure, man. I just want to go to Memphis. <laughs> yeah. And good ribs. Um, and we can go to Graceland. That's that's my goal. I've never been. I've been and, uh, but I haven't been in over 20 years. Or I haven't been in 20 years. It was 20 years ago I went. I went twice. And the second time was, that was 1995 when I was in Memphis. All right. And 94 when, see, we drove up to Syracuse. But that was part of the reason we drove up there was so I could do shit like that. You know, stopped at Graceland, took a meandering route up to New York. Okay. You know, stayed at Larry Bird's Boston Connection in Terre Haute, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't even planned. We saw the. It was my mother, my my brother Josh, and I saw the billboard in the side road. We're like, we gotta go to that place and stay there. <laughs> <laughs> I had a. I used to have a T-shirt from it, man. It was great, but then it just T-shirt fell apart, you know. Right. Because I wore that thing constantly. Larry Bird's Boston Connection. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down for that. I wonder if that's going to come off the same way the, uh, I've had people asking me about this, not about plans in large, like a bus, because I don't want to get on you about that anymore, but whether LSU people asking me if I was actually going to go to the game at the Carrier Dome this this fall. Yeah, we should get on the bus trip, because we're running out of time. I mean, you want to do that still? I mean, because it seems like. You'd have to know within the next month whether you could actually get enough people to do that where it was feasible. Well, I think you can. Um, we can do it such that, regardless of the size. I mean, we could just get a van. Right. I mean, they have they have twelve person. I mean, coaches. the question is, at that point, we're just going to want to go with our friends. Um. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of expected that's what the... I mean, we had all these illustrious plans a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll have this bus and people will meet up and we'll be booking rooms and have a whole itinerary. (laughs) (laughs) Live podcast on the ride. The reality is, oh, we'll be taking Sanders' Toyota up there and (laughs) on guy's couch. And we'll be at Fagan's on Friday night. (laughs) Well... Those things... Um, I don't want to sleep on couches anymore, to be honest with you. <laughs> Those things... Um, well, oh, there's a couple things. I'll have to talk to you... I don't, yeah, I'll talk to you about it later. Um, okay. Because I don't think it's for public consumption. No, no, um, no, 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 no. no. Um, but uh, these things come together relatively quickly. Yeah. So... Um, I, I, to be honest, I totally forgot about it with all the shit that... Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't even think we need a two sorry excuses caravan anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but we can still get a bunch of people together. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we could still call our friends and ask them to go, you know? <laughs> well, even your New Orleans, even your LSU people. Well, I mean, well, I, I, guess... said it, I said, I'll be there probably, you know, if you want to hang out, I'll be there, you know? All right, I, I still think we we you're right, you're right. Uh, do, do we definitely get a group of people to yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, call Mike Reardon, call Teresa just De Pasquale Grasso. Right, Liz Stillman would go. Liz Stillman, uh, both Reardons would go. I'm sure. You know, Brian Peters might go, probably not, but he might go. <laughs> he doesn't go west. He doesn't go south. Yeah. Unless it's Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he goes, Mexico. Mexico or Spain. That's where he goes. <laughs> um, so we got so far off track. Um, there's a couple things that I want to make sure we get back to. So the kid that I'm doing the work with, the Syracuse uh, yes, kid. Yes, yes, yes. His landlord is none other than Hall of Fame basketball player Dolph Shays Hall of Fame slumlord <laughs> although he's never met Dolph Shays oh really yeah I he's mean, his, Dolph's pretty damn old now but I mean his daughter runs the whole uh, operation daughter? I remember when I was there he had one of the goofy sons was always in the office you know yeah this um this operation is now a uh, a Dolph Shays daughter production but he does live Ostrom. Okay. He lives in those um, those apartments that are like literally around the corner. All right. So eleven oh six. There was the house on on the corner. Then he turned onto Ostrom, and then there was a set of apartments. Yeah. I think there's a house next to that. Um. I don't know. It sounds kind of reassuring that Dolph is still out there. You know, owning property and renting. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I have to think that the empire has doubled or tripled. Since yeah, we were it must there. have because I don't remember owning. There wasn't that many students renting from Dolph when we were there. No. Now, ask me. Tell me this. Did you ask him whether Dolph still makes him surrender twelve months worth of checks when you sign the lease? I didn't because we got into talking about how we. Um, caused him to change his business model. 
Oh, yeah, 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 where he used to just rent out rooms. Yeah, he used to have, like, a flop house. Yeah, And because yeah, yeah. of us, he, um, he changed the, his, um, his tolerance for whole house renting. And then we got into the discussion of how he would just show up in our, you know, place, and then even yeah. more so for you guys. And that's where we got into to the, uh, you know, on the tangent of his daughter runs it now. He's never met Dolph, blah, blah, blah. So I never I never got to uh, yeah, That's find too out bad, because it would be way cooler if it was Danny that was running it now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> so true. Oh, so Danny Shays is running the show now. <laughs> I wonder uh, if Danny has a kid that might be a budding basketball s- star. I gotta think that he is working for the Miami Heat. That would be my guess. Oh, no, no, no. He is married to Wendy Lucero Shays. Uh, the name sounds familiar. You'll probably know her as... Um, as U.S. Olympic diver Wendy Lucero from the uh, '88 Olympics, I actually I actually sure remember her. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember. I'll tell you, if your name's not Greg Luganis, I probably don't remember you. <laughs> you as a diver. He runs No Limit Investing in Phoenix, Arizona. Man, they love ending up in Phoenix. Well, he was out there for night four, night five. That must have been where he decided he was. Gonna... Basketball players love Arizona. Yeah, are there no taxes out there? I mean, they probably have very low taxes, I'm sure. And they also love the golf, you know, and there's golf courses everywhere out there. True. You know, but they're probably, I mean, I know it's a very uh, Republican state, so they're probably, they might not, they might have very low income taxes. Because, like, Texas has no income tax. Right. And I think Florida has no income tax, too, which is why all the golfers live there. You know? Um, so I'm sh- they must have some kind of real low tax burden, I'm sure. Danny Shays is a member of the New York Jewish Sports Hall of Fame, which has to make him and his father the only father-son duo in the New York Jewish Sports Hall. I, right? That's quite a leap, but... <laughs> Come on. I mean, because obviously you don't have to be great at basketball to be a member of the New York Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, let's see. Inducted, honored. Hall of Fame's awards. Uh, he was inducted into the Jamesville DeWitt High School Athletic Hall of Fame in 1989 and scored tired his sweater number. His sweater number. Shays was named the best male athlete to hail from CMY by the Post Standard in 2000. He was also added to the Syracuse University All Century Basketball Team and Hall of Fame. Yes, the New York Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> this is too. Uh, what I was gonna do was go through and find, um, Damn, and find excuse. any names that you know had two names. Yeah. But it's the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah. There's, so there's, there's only six comedy. names. <laughs> there's, yes. There's only six names. You know, Berger, yes. Cohen, Schwartz. <laughs> you know, his full name is Daniel Leslie Shays. Uh, uh, after um, Leslie Nielsen. After Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Great Jews in Sports by Robert Slater. 
This is from the JewsInSports.org page on him. Ernie Grunfeld, Grunfeld he's, he's Jewish. His son is a decent basketball player. Maybe he'll eventually he'll end up at the Jewish Hall of Fame. Here's where, um, here's where I could have been derailed, but wasn't. Uh, Dick Schapp. Dick Schapp, yes. Jeremy Schapp is not. Yes, but he has time. He still has time. Um, all right, so we'll just we'll just call my assessment. Yeah, we'll go with that. Sure. The the only father son duo in the Jewish sports (laughs) hall of fame. New York Jewish sports hall. New York Jewish sports. When Ernie Grunfeld retired in 1986, Shays became the only Jewish player in the NBA. Uh, he was a member. I mean, I can't believe that he's 56 years old. Yeah, I mean, he was born in 1959. Yeah. How old is DC? DC was probably born, well, seven. he was probably born in 1969. Uh, let's see. No, 1968, I bet you he was born. Derek Colvin. No, not football. Apparently this friggin' Derek Colvin on the Seahawks is screwing everything up. 67. 67, okay. So he was 19 when he entered college. All right. Because he was a freshman in 87. 86, 87. Okay. Yeah. I have Uh, brothers older than D.C., so. Oh, he was born in Mobile, Alabama. It's just like two hours to the east from New Orleans. All right, enough uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, this is where it gets tricky, because yeah. now I'm already on to Dewan Coleman, and <laughs> nothing good comes of that. Yeah. Um, but speaking of D.C. Yes. Big weekend for the big man. Yeah. Big man finally completed his degree. Now, did he, he, he actually finished it? It wasn't an honorary? No, because he, he didn't even walk at Syracuse because he said he couldn't get... I don't know if his mother is... I don't know what the situation with his mother is, but he said he didn't have a way to get her to Syracuse. So he didn't... He, he took courses, like, online and stuff, you know? Okay. He didn't tell her about it, because I guess years ago she said something... Like, when he was leaving to go to the NBA, she said something about, how oh, he's got to get a degree. But, uh... But he started taking classes online just to complete. I think he it's probably communications. I forget what it said his was. You know, it might have been something like that, you know? Right. Uh, and he, obviously, he doesn't need the damn degree because he's, D.C., uh, I think, objectively is fairly successful as a businessman stuff now. Right. But he, but he said he wanted to do it for his mother, so he didn't tell her at all, you know. And then he took the diploma. He took her to. They put video up of it online, you know. He tweeted out the video, I think, where he 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 wrapped up the diploma and gave it to her like as a gift, and she opened it up and was like, "Oh my God, you graduated!" You know. So. <laughs> uh, good for him. Yeah. So he graduated. Um, Famous, beloved, uh, while he was there, knucklehead, Eric Devendorf. He has grown up, and he has graduated. Ah, congratulations, D.O. Yeah. 
They, the, the post standard, Syracuse.com, they did, they did a story about each one of them. Mookie Jones graduated too. If you have time, I'd go read each one of those stories. They're pretty good, you know, about how they got to the point where they graduated, you know. Like what, what made them stick it out or get back on it, you know. Right. So Devo, I think, might have got a, some kind of communication. Like, it must be, like, similar to, like, a speech comm degree, I think he might have got. And I think I think Mookie Jones might have got a child and family studies major. Mookie Jones was the biggest shock to me because, you know, he was tossed out of the school, you know? Right, right. Like, the idea that he came back and graduated from Syracuse is a shock, but he had a... He had a pretty hard luck story on there, you know, like he was collecting, you know, he was collecting food stamps and stuff, you know, and, you know, I think like he was sleeping like on a couch. He got evicted from his apartment, all kinds of stuff. And they finally just buckled down and, uh, you know, and got his degree because somebody like Mookie Jones, like, even though it's kind of like not even like something that. I mean, child and family studies or whatever, I don't know. He was interning at a school or something. If he wants to go do other stuff, he kind of needs the degree, you know? Right. Just to be qualified sometimes to go, like, do maybe coaching and stuff like that that he might be interested in doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, whereas Devendorf, I think, is still playing overseas basketball and stuff, but, you know, um, I don't know, it's just crazy that three guys like that, you know, who all left Syracuse for various reasons, you know, our basketball team, and they all graduate this weekend, you know? It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cool. Because, I mean, I don't know, man, how often does that happen? You know, that a guy comes back after so long and graduates, much less three of them, you know? Yeah, right. Oh, and of all three uh, three differing degrees of, of you know, quote-unquote success... Yeah. You know, three different degrees of uh, life status. Yep. Like, Devendorf, it talks about that. I think his parents were kind of pissed off at him. They were the ones that, like, his mother really was urging him to get back in school because he declared, he left because he was going to go to the NBA draft. And they were like, don't do that. And, of course, he didn't get drafted. Right. You know? I think he just, I mean, he says that he didn't like to do the work, you know. That he was a screw-off, and I'm sure that probably had more of a reason why that guy left school, you know? I mean, because he had to know he wasn't going to get drafted, you know? Yeah, I wonder what these guys think sometimes. You never know. Yeah. But, you know, I think it it was probably, you know, a combination of, I know I'm not going to get drafted, but I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah, exactly. Just like Paul Harris, you know, that guy do knew he wasn't getting drafted. Yeah. And, and, and listen, there's some pretty decent money to be made in Europe. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you end up, that's the thing, though, like, where Devendorf's playing in places like New Zealand and all these other out, outlying places, I'm sure you make good money, but you're not making, you're making a lot more money if you're, like, playing in France or Italy or something, you know? Right. I mean, there's there's different tiers all over the world. But a guy like that, you know, when he stops playing basketball outside of basketball, like, what's the best case scenario for 
you know, a middling guy in his middle age, middling basketball player who's middle aged, who doesn't have a degree. Yeah. Like, he can maybe sell insurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe do financial planning. Maybe get involved in a car dealership. Like, I know those are kind of stereotypical things for former athletes to do, but there's a reason why they get involved in those. Yeah. So he could trade on his name a little bit, but he kind of pissed on his name. Yeah, I mean, that's why reading the story about him was actually pretty good because it sounds like he's realized he was kind of an asshole, you know? Yeah, and I mean, he was, a, you know, a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid. Yeah, that's what he says. I mean, he's got a couple of children now, I think, you know, like he's married, you know? So, like, I think he realized, yeah, I was kind of a moron when I was here. Because I guess he's actually, you know, I mean, he says that, so I would take him for his word, but I, I'll take his word for it. That he's actually kind of smart. He just was a screw-off, you know? Right. Like, in class, you know, when he was there. Like, he could have done better. He just didn't care to. And I'm sure he is, because it sounds like his parents aren't friggin' morons. That guy was just a, he was just a friggin' goofball. Right. You know, he was like the, he was like the Yang to Jerry McNamara's, the raging Yang to <laughs> Jerry McNamara's calming Yen, you know? Uh, true, true. <laughs> when, uh, what was the game where he hops up on the... That was against UConn in the six-overtime game. That was a six-overtime game, because, right. But they, but they waved that shot off. Yes. You remember he hit that shot, but it was after the clock expired or whatever right yeah i think that's when he hopped up on the scores table all right i'll cut him some slack for that because it was a six overtime game that he thought he wanted <laughs> yeah in the biggest tournament i'm pretty sure that was that was what happened you know right that was the biggest tournament yeah yeah that was yeah, the biggest yeah. tournament and then we lost the championship game to louisville because we were friggin' worn out you know <laughs> right, right i mean louisville was really good anyway but still we didn't really, like, they were playing on friggin' fumes, and then they ran out of that, and then it was just done. Yeah. Because I remember that game. I think that was the one where Christoph Ujanot smacked his back on the floor or something. Yeah, he had a really bad fall. You remember that guy? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he was cool. You knew his girlfriend or something, didn't you? No, I'm Facebook friends with Christoph. <laughs> <laughs> his birthday was a couple of weeks ago. It showed up. I was like, oh, I forgot about this guy. <laughs> I don't think he has a picture. <laughs> What's that? I don't even think he has a profile picture. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. What's he doing? I have no clue. <laughs> I wished him happy birthday. He didn't like it, so apparently he's not checking Facebook. <laughs> Did I wish him? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, oh, Christoph. I wonder what he's up to. I'm sure he's playing basketball in Europe or something. Probably All in right. Belgium. <laughs> uh but let's see. We gotta find that. Uh, I'm sure that's out there somewhere. The friggin' Dievendorf versus UConn. Uh, what else we gotta talk about? Um, a couple pop culture things that are kind of timeless. It depends on how much more. Um, how much longer you want to go? What else you got? Uh, well, I guess we got the big news of the day. I don't want to go forever, so we can just say a couple of things. Big news of the day. And this will forever lock this show in a uh, 
the the vault, you know, keep it in time. Right. Because it was the biggest news pop culture-wise today. Harry Shearer breaking, uh, separating permanently from The Simpsons. Which is um, a big deal. I mean, he doesn't do any of the family voices, but he does Mr. Burns. He does, uh, I think he does Rainier Wolfcast. He does like 20-something different voices. Okay. Sanders. You know, he does so many voices for the show. You know, I think he might do... Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous how many voices... He does a lot of key voices. You know? He, um... Yeah, Flanders, um, Flanders, Burns, uh, Waylon Smithers, Seymour Skinner, and other various characters. Yes. You know, I think he's been kind of sour on it for a while, but the whole rest of the cast signed on, and he said, screw it, I'm not. He was complaining that he, he sent out a few tweets, and one of them seemed to be, Bitching about the fact that they won't, don't want to allow him to do all his side projects like he likes, you know? Yeah. Which is what he's, you know, he's he's big into doing all that stuff. I mean, one of the things, apparently, he hosts a radio show. You know, he hosts it down here because he's a part-time resident of New Orleans. Okay. You know, I, did I ever tell you that story? This was, hell, this must have been, this would have been 2011 Mardi Gras. Uh, a friend of mine who doesn't live here anymore, she moved away. Uh, but she lived on um, she lived on Napoleon near Parade Rate. And she invited me over to the house one night to uh, come over and watch the parade. And her husband, her boyfriend, who's her husband now, you know, he was a medical student. He was there and he had all his med student friends. And I showed up a little late and we were on the route. Right there, it was nighttime, and I look, and Harry Shearer is standing right next to me. You no know, way. just like you know, that's how he is. Like I know people see him at all kinds of stuff. He's, you know, he's just like a regular citizen. You know, you'll yeah, see yeah. him at parades, you know, just chilling. Right. <laughs> you know, and I see him next to me. I'm like, oh, it's Harry Shearer. I'm like, I got, I'm gonna have to say something to him. So I just, I, I find, I turn on. I was like, man. Lo- I-, I really love synchronized swimming. He's like, oh, thanks. Because you remember the synchronized swimming bit? Yes. That's With Martin Short? Christopher Guest. Oh, Christopher Guest, right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And he's got the nose plugs and he's wearing like the water wings and stuff. Right. <laughs> and he was like, oh, thanks. And he was and he was just very cool and relaxed. And that's all I had to say. You know, nothing more. Didn't have to push it till you get to the point where you have a friggin' terrible encounter with a celebrity. Right. <laughs> and I remember we come back in after the parade ended and friggin' her boyfriend, all his med school buddies, you know, and they'd been out there the whole time. I showed up like the last 45 minutes of the parade. They'd been hanging out next to him the whole time. I was like, man, Harry Shearer's out there. And those guys like, Harry Shearer's out there? <laughs> Nobody knows him because he's voice of the Simpsons and everything, you know? Right. I was like, you were standing next to him the whole time. And they're like, oh, no way. I was like, yeah, dude. He was literally right next to us. <laughs> See, I'm a huge fan of the Christopher Guest movie, so I would know him right away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, he's very, he's, he's very recognizable. Because he's not like all these other guys on The Simpsons 
who like yes uh what's her name uh Yardley Smith be like oh yeah I remember what she looks like because I saw the legend of Billie Jean you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like, Billie, I wouldn't... oh yeah I used to love to watch Rhoda you know <laughs> I wouldn't know Dan Castellaneta I know what Dan Castellaneta looks like I know he's been in other things but I, I've seen him like he's a little Italian guy. I mean, like he's like a little probably bald by now. Like I think right. he's balding. We know what Hank Azaria looks like. Right, a young yeah. Harry Shearer. <laughs> yeah, 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 but like you know, I would. You definitely wouldn't know Nancy Cartwright if she was walking on the street. No. You know, but Harry Shearer, he's a recognizable dude. Right. You know, he's out of all those people. He's probably, you know, second to him in terms of doing different types of things is only Hank Azaria. Right. What did they sign on for? How much longer? Two more years. I mean, I don't know. I think if you don't Harry Shear doing all his voices, and they're probably going to go get somebody to replicate to replicate some of them. Right. Uh, just cancel the show. I mean, it's been on long enough anyway. I like The Simpsons, but, like, everything's got to end sometime, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've I've watched... I haven't seen the whole season. I just got Hulu Plus, and, you know, I'm able to see, like, the last ten episodes of this season. Because I guess after a while they fade and they go onto the FX website or whatever. Okay. Because that was the part of the marathon that they had exclusive rights to to every Simpsons ever. But uh, on the Hulu Plus, you can see, like, whatever, the most recent episodes that ran. And, I mean, they're all right. They're just not as good as they used to be. Right. You know, they're, you know, they're running out of stuff to do. Yeah. I mean, it's been on 26 years. I mean... Yeah, it's not like it was, like, back in the 90s. Like, like when we were in college and stuff, when it was at its peak, you know? Because nothing's cutting edge anymore. Well, I mean, that's the thing. They've skewered so many things, you know. Now they're, now they skewer themselves, you know. Right. I mean, at least for South Park, they've been gone after stuff the same way where they're gone after current events the whole time. Yes. Simpsons, I don't know, man. It's just like they used to lampoon stuff, but, but it is kind of like they're more self-referential now you know yep so i think once you get to a point you know just kind of the you start to eat yourself yeah yeah yeah. Yep. you're just so big like the, nothing else is it can, can compare so you just start to devour yourself yeah i mean they probably should have just ended it when they made the movie you know yeah no that would have been a good I was in Europe, Austria in particular, at the time when the movie came out. And so there the the posters were in, the movie posters were in German that were like on the bus stops and stuff. You know, it was The Simpsons, the movie. Okay. And there it was <laughs> The Simpsons, their film. The <laughs> 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 Simpsons, their film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, their excuses, their podcast. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, um, 
I think any other cultural, pop cultural landmarks, milestones, whatever movies, we can we can cover that in our next episode. Yeah, yeah, no, no sense in uh, putting it through the ringer. Yeah. Um, plus, this is gonna be. Um, I'm gonna try to get this out tonight, and it's already gonna be a pain in the ass to edit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I mean, hopefully next week we can, you know, we can do it in a better. Um, you know, we won't have so many. As many hiccups. <laughs> Maybe I can get out of the garage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, then, on that note, my friend. All right. Uh, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. And with apologies to Jimmy Durante, good night, Mrs. Quinones, wherever <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.